Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas time 2022, and this is Truth Unbound. I am your host, Walter Swaim, and thank you so much for being with me today. At Truth Unbound, what we do is we unleash God's truth as it relates to questions about God, the faith, events in the culture and the world, and the Bible itself. Now, today we're going to go into an unusual question about something in the Bible, and it's about a key figure in the Bible. And this key question is about a key figure not only in the Bible itself, but in the background of the first Christmas story as well. Are you ready for the question? Okay, here it goes. Now, be patient with me. Uh, In the asking of this question, we'll get to why we ask it, all right? So here's the question. Was King David an illegitimate child? Was King David, the predecessor of Jesus' earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, conceived and born out of wedlock? And why does that matter? What does it tell us today? Well, we're going to dig into God's answers for this, present all the sides that we can, that we know are there. And uh, it's an important question, though unusual. So let's get to it right now. Hey, just before we begin, you can make sure that you get the latest from Truth Unbound as soon as it comes out by checking uh, or clicking like, clicking to follow the podcast, subscribe to it, and then perhaps the biggest part, share it with others. Post it on your fo- your Facebook page or Instagram page or in a, send the link to by, uh, by text to someone that you know. And we'll grow numerically as a podcast family, but we'll also grow, what's more important is we'll grow spiritually by getting deeper into God's word and more firmer in our faith. Now, let's have that conversation about King David and if he was born out of wedlock. Okay, so in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, the prophet Samuel is seeking the next king of Israel after Saul to anoint him. The prophet of God anointing a man to be king meant you were handpicked by God to reign over his kingdom, Israel, and his people on earth, the Jews. He did this while Saul was currently still king of Israel, but was failing miserably at it. And so God sought to replace him in the soon future. And God wasn't secretive about it. And he wasn't wasting time on getting it done either. Anyway, Samuel obeys God, goes to the town of a man called Jesse, from whose sons God would reveal his next king. Now, Jesse brings one son after another in front of Samuel. And Jesse just says, nope, not him. Nope, not him. He rejects all of them. Well, not really all of them. And this is why. Listen to this. We find this in 1 Samuel 16, verses 10 through 12. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Wait, what? (laughs) He didn't see that coming. But here's the question. Why did Jesse not bring David and put him in line before Samuel in the first place? Jesse did not bring him in. 
Now, one possibility is that in verse 11, Samuel asked if all the young men were here. And Jesse's response in verse 11, he says, well, there's still the youngest one out there. And he's out there keeping the sheep. And so you could tell already um, he's, he's treating David with much less regard. I mean, Jesse, his own father, he literally said he's the smallest of them all. He wasn't even considered a man yet. Maybe that's the reason. We're not sure. But David is the one who is in 1 Samuel chapter 9 out looking for a lost donkey. Then he's the young little shepherd boy uh, or teenager. We don't know either way about that either. But he's treated already with a great degree of lesser importance. Was it because he was just the youngest? I don't know. But I do know he was treated with much less regard. Now, the town trembled at first with Samuel coming there. So if this was that serious, Jesse naturally would have or should have presented all his sons, including David, but he didn't. Why is that? Now, fast forward to 1 Samuel 17, and Israel is at a standoff with the Philistine army. And as we read it, it it's because of their fear of them, particularly Goliath and his brothers, the giants, and Saul's lack of leadership and leaning on the Lord to win the battle. Jesse sends David, again, the runt of the group of his sons, to take food to his three oldest brothers who are up on the battlefront. David gets there and starts talking to the men all around, asking what's going on, and they tell him. And then this happened. 1 Samuel 17, 28-30 says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, let's look at the, the immediate in between the lines here. Do you, do you see the utter contempt for David, his brothers, and the others there showed him, showed David? Is it because he was selected over his brothers to be king? Or did his brothers treat him like this because he had a pattern of being just an evil kid, that, this young in his life? Well, I think there's more to the story here. He is a son of of Jesse, yet he's treated, without explanation, he's treated like trash. Now, brothers will be brothers, I know, and there's always a pecking order in the family between siblings, I know. I've raised three with my wife, and to this day, they still have their pecking order. They tease each other. But this is different, and it's a different context, and it's obviously more than that. It's weird. Why did David's father and brothers give him such abuse. When Eliab says angrily, I know your pride and insolence of your heart, it isn't because David was such a bad kid all the time. It suggests that there's history here. It's like saying, I know all about you and who you really are. Uh, one other additional dot to connect here in the picture, if you will, is that his mother is never clearly mentioned by name anywhere in the Bible, either by David or anyone else who wrote Old Testament scripture. And then there's one more dot to connect to for the whole picture to come out. 
And here it is in Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, I, like perhaps countless other preachers throughout Christian history, have used this verse to establish we are born in sin. We are sinful from the moment of conception. Now, many, I would guess the majority of those who have studied this feel it is not about his own mother's sin, but him speaking to God in total abhorrence of what he has done with Bathsheba and recognizing he's a sinner, he was a sinner from birth. And this then is a proof text that we are all in the same spiritual predicament as David was at that time. This still has that strong theological implication, but in this psalm of repentance written by David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he then reflects on what appears to be his own story. It could be taken that way. He's talking about himself and how he was conceived. The question then, is David saying indirectly that he was illegitimate due to his mother committing this same kind of sin, adultery or premarital sex, we don't know? Is he saying that his mother's act of sinfulness is a part of his personal sinfulness and history as well? The verse clearly is him dealing deeply with the grief and shame of his sinful actions with Bathsheba, which included adultery, and then went on to be committing murder. And before God, he is pouring out his repentance for what he's done. So is he being emotional and extending his guilt out farther and hyperbole? Or is he saying sinful actions like this are a part of his own history, and he is simply repeating in his own life what even his own mother did? And by this, I'm not saying that he's blaming his mother, but only that he himself may be saying here he's repeating the same sin as her, further compounding his own shame and guilt before God. Now, if all this is correct, it explains a lot. A lot of the contempt and abuse by his brothers and father, relegating him to the lowest level, and also why his mother may not have been named in the scriptures because of her immorality. Now, admittedly, most reject this interpretation because he could not have even entered the temple according to Le Levitical law if he was illegitimate, according to Deuteronomy 23.3. And he did it often. It's recorded in 1 Samuel 21, 2 Samuel 12. In other words, he often went into God's house to worship. They also say the scriptures simply say he is the youngest, and that is why he was mistreated at times. They also say that other immoral women are mentioned in Christ's lineage. So if David's mother was immoral, then she would have been mentioned too. Well, in summary, the other interpretation that we're presenting is that David is explaining his mother committed sexual sin, and he was the product of that. Not as an excuse for him doing this, but is taking responsibility for doing the same thing his mother did instead of being a more pure man, especially as king, and changing that negative, sinful stigma that had been in his own family. I, I kind of lean to this position, but again, I feel that neither position could be 100% sure or dogmatic. And by the way, this has no bearing on or does no damage to the requirement in prophecy that the Messiah be born of the lineage of David in Psalm 132.11 and Isaiah 9.7 in particular. Uh, those verses are saying the Messiah must come from the lineage of David, from David onward in, in that birth line. So those prophecies uh, remain successfully and only fulfilled in Jesus 
as confirmed by Matthew in his gospel in chapter 1, verse 1 of Matthew. Even so, this whole idea, this whole interpretation, either way, can teach us some very important things. It can apply to us in a very special way. First, with whichever position you take on this, the main lesson is still that we are born with the predisposition to sin. We're all guilty of sin, which the Bible says we all do. Romans 3.23 states that, and that we are ex- without excuse before God, as it says in Romans 1.20. Another beautiful lesson in this is that, for the sake of argument, let's just say for now uh, that David was saying he was conceived in Psalm 51.5, that he was conceived in the act of six- sexual sin that his mother committed. It would only further prove the point of God's use of those who, in spite of their sinful past, if they've repented of their sin and decided to love and worship God alone, then they're included in the work and purposes of God. This is true throughout the lineage of Jesus. Look at Abraham. He tried to take matters into his own hands, him and Sarah, and had sexual relations with his handmaid and due to his wife's pressure to do it as well. Jacob was a master deceiver who lied and cheated and stole. Tamar had an illicit sexual uh, act with her father-in-law and conceived one of Jesus' ancestors. His great-great-great-etc-grandmother Rahab was a Moabite and a prostitute. Ruth was also a foreigner who married Boaz, which was forbidden by the scriptures, same as for a Rahab. Nevertheless, they're in the lineage of Jesus, And then David himself, we know, is the adulterer and murderer that he was. Solomon married hundreds of foreign women and worshipped their false gods. And then his son, King Rehoboam, mistreated the people, and the kingdom of Israel, Israel ended up being divided under him. And there are other lessons, but for time's sake, we'll stop there. If God can use anyone in his eternal purposes, regardless of whatever they have done before, but they repent of their sin and believe and worship in the one and only true God, the God of the Bible, then he can receive, God can receive and use any of us sinners, no matter what we've done, and do great things for his glory and for his purposes on earth. He includes you and wants to do great things in you and through you to the lives of others for eternal impact. If you haven't come to Jesus, my friend, to repent of your sin, because you, you thought maybe what you've done is too bad to be forgiven, then look again. God's word states that if you come before God, no matter what you've done, and repent of that sin and put your faith in him, he will save you, forgive you, love you, and work his life in and through you. Well, I hope that uh, you make that choice today by simply bowing your head and within your heart and mind, talking to God directly and saying, God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe in you that you died and rose again, that you are God. Would you forgive me? Save me. I'm yours. Amen. I hope you've done that if you've never done it before. And would you contact me and let me know at by email at info at truthunbound.org because we want to be of help to you in your next steps in Jesus. Well, I certainly hope that presenting this interesting and unusual question and its uh, possible answers here has, has turned out to be of great encouragement to you and helped you grow in your faith and know more of who Jesus is. 
though we won't know on this side of heaven who David's mom was and what he fully meant maybe in Psalm 51.5, once we are in heaven, it won't matter. Nevertheless, it is good to engage the hard and unusual questions. As it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly divide or accurately handle and explain the word of truth. We grow in our faith by doing so. Hey, don't forget to click on like or to click to follow, subscribe, and even share this with everyone you can today. And remember to follow Jesus because when you do, you'll always follow the truth. Thank you.